are now tuning into But What If I Soar podcast. With your host, Dominique, licensed professional counselor and certified clinical trauma professional and owner of Free to Be Counseling Service and Deveron, licensed social worker and certified life coach and owner of Social MacGyver. The thought-provoking podcast that explores the complexity of mental health through a lens that does not require a prescription. We will explore a wide range of topics with engaging discussions and personal anecdotes that provides a realistic outlook while actively engaging in our own self-discoveries. Let's get ready to soar together. So the next section, final section, is um, working through uh, addiction and recovery. So, um, yeah, like the holidays can really bring up some challenges for people who are trying to manage their addiction or who might even be in early recovery around the holidays. Um, for some people, uh, the holidays can be a trigger, right? You know, um, depending on the dynamic of your addiction and, 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 and how your addiction showed up for you. Um, yeah, it could be, it could be a challenging time. It could be a trigger. And that's the thing about addiction is that sometimes the triggers are things that are going to come around every year, your birthday, your, your, your birthday, the holidays, you know, the 4th of July, like summertime. Sometimes these triggers are things that aren't things we can avoid, right? There are some triggers that you can avoid. Like maybe if you live, you know, near a certain intersection or a certain um, interstate, right? I won't travel that way, right? Or whatever it is, there are some triggers that you can avoid and others you can't. And so for those triggers that you can't um, avoid, it's important to try to prepare for those triggers to come up because they come up all the time. Um, and so sometimes, um, you know, when you are in early recovery, we can, people can isolate, you know, people can isolate. Sometimes there's lots of fears, um, around how to incorporate fun into the holidays, because for a large part of your, um, you know, for the holiday season, right. Fun, maybe for you was using drugs and alcohol, right? So again, it's like, how do I have fun and how do I enjoy myself? Um, especially maybe when other people are indulging, right? And I'm present, right? How do I, um, how do I manage that? How do I navigate that? So I think those are just some of the ideas that we, we wanted to kind of bring forth when we're talking a little bit about um, addiction and early recovery or just recovery in general, right? Because no matter how many years you have in recovery, you are still susceptible to moments of triggers. Um, I remember uh, when I was first introduced to um, like uh, my counseling program, I did it. My, my emphasis was in addictions counseling and I did my, I was doing my, my internship and this guy was talking about how like he was 20 years clean. He was clean from cocaine. He met this young girl. He was chasing her around and she was drinking and he started drinking and like, lo and behold, he went right back to cocaine and he thought he was good. Right. Um, and I've heard other people say this, like my dad, my dad is in recovery. He's been in recovery for like 27 years and he's always mindful of, you know, things that can take him off of course. Right. So you're never, you're never exempt no matter how much time you have in early recovery. Um, but the goal really is to, you know, if the holidays can be a challenging time for you, um, or if you remember the holidays being filled with drugs and alcohol and just partying and just, you know, 
overindulging, right? You want to kind of be mindful of how you're you're navigating this time of year. Um, so we we just wanted to kind of bring that bring that to the forefront. Yeah, I think that's really important. And and like you said, the the triggers of the monkey is always going to be on your back, right? And when you mm-hmm. become complacent, that is oftentimes where that monkey takes full advantage um, mm-hmm. and will get you into some stuff. And I think like, you know, oftentimes when you are in recovery and you have a preferred drug or substance of choice, um, what can happen is some people can convince themselves that partaking in other things because it's not that preferred substance or, um, you know, choice uh, Mm -hmm. that, they're not an addict, Susceptible. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you know, oh, it, but it's like you have shown that you have an addictive trait, right? Mm-hmm. And so one little bit is never enough for you. And what can happen is, um, I had a person who, when she used to drink, she would smoke cigarettes, right? Um, and she got clean off of alcohol. She got clean. She had went to a a rehab that did not allow her to smoke. Um, and so she wasn't smoking. They had given her like the patches and it Mm -hmm. worked really well for her. And then she started a job and they had smoke breaks. Mm. And she, you know, did well at first. And then a coworker on their smoke break offered her one. And she had been using the patch. And um, she said when she put the cigarette up to her lip, it automatically made her taste alcohol. Like, mm-hmm. because when she would smoke, she would always drink. It yeah. was her go-to. It was like a combination. Mm-hmm. And... She said she hadn't had cravings for so long from alcohol, but just putting that cigarette to her lip made her crave alcohol and she like was craving it badly. Mm-hmm. And that's when she realized that she couldn't even participate in smoking anymore because the two had always been, you know, combined. Yeah. And so like there are people who don't realize that and they will say, Oh, you know, my drug of choice was pills or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they get around people and, you know, alcohol is such a socially acceptable thing. Yes. Um, when we are happy, we celebrate, you know, with alcohol. When we are celebrating something, we tend to bring out alcohol. And so it's legal, right? So people think like alcohol is not bad because it's legal. Um, but for some people, that is just the gateway towards going towards other things for them. Yeah. Um, and so being mindful of that is definitely important, but also being able to, it's not where you have to tell everyone about your addiction journey or where you're at in your recovery, but be honest where, um, you have to figure out how you can tell people how you feel best to tell people, because it could be that, you know, you're going out with coworkers and, you guys are just going to like a co-worker celebration. I mean, when I was at my old job, we used to do a holiday party um, in December. And mm-hmm. one of the things that our CEO used to get us was a bottle of champagne, mm. a huge bottle of champagne. And then when we went out to this event, there was, um, we didn't have, you had to pay for your liquor, but he would have um, bottomless wine. So Mm. you could drink wine or beer. Um, And so, again, 
obviously you want to be mindful. Like, you know, you wouldn't want to be sloppy drunk, but if you were having, and there were people who be, you know, again, celebrating, taking shots and things like that. And so I think like, if you were in recovering, you hadn't shared that, you might not know how to engage in that celebration without bringing everyone's attention to, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sober or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like kind of figuring out what it is that you want to tell people, what you're comfortable of telling people while also keeping your sobriety safeguarded, um, I think is really important because sometimes people will say, oh, I just decided not to go because I didn't want to have to tell people I was in recovery. If that works for you, that's great. But yeah. If it doesn't and you want to engage and you feel like you have built up enough um, sober coping skills, then Mm -hmm. go and engage, but also make sure that you have some type of safeguards in place to keep your sobriety at the forefront. I think that that's definitely key because one sip, you know, one slip of something can get you into into serious trouble. Um, So it's definitely something to consider. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, first question related to addiction and recovery. Um, what are some important things to consider during the holidays if this time of year is a trigger to your recovery? We kind of touched on this, but anything that you would add to, um, to this question? I would say accountability, having like an accountability partner, whether you believe Mm -hmm. in the 12 steps program, you have a sponsor, you have sober companions, um, you have a provider that you're working with. Um, if you know that you are preparing to enter into the holidays and it's a trigger for you, identifying what your triggers are, putting a name to it is very important. Um, if you know, for instance, going home, back home, maybe you moved away um, and you've been sober for some time and now you're getting ready to revisit a place that doesn't bring up the fondest memories for you. And you might mm-hmm. run into um, someone who you used to use with or they used to sell. Um, coming up with a plan of how you're going to address that so when you are hit with your triggers, what coping skills and tools you're going to utilize. Is there someone that you can call, you can phone? Is there someone who you can be honest with and vulnerable with who is going to safeguard you? Because the other thing I think is important to acknowledge is that though some people may celebrate your sobriety and your recovery, not everyone is truly celebrating it. And some people will put you in fucked up situations where they will test you to see if you really are on that straight and narrow. So it is good for you to be aware of that. Not everyone is your cheerleader. Um, And who you decide to be around when you are feeling triggered is definitely also important. Like you have said in numerous podcasts, having a community is so important, Mm -hmm. Um, but making sure that the people that you have in your community are someone who you can rely on. That's not going to put you in situations where they're putting, you know, substances that you've struggled with in front of you that Mm -hmm. tell you, oh, you can have one drink. One drink isn't going to hurt you, Um, you know, and just putting you in really bad situations and then allowing you to partake in it um, just because I think that that's definitely important. So knowing who's in your community, uh, making sure that they're reliable and they are going to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, Accountability is so important. 
giving name to the triggers. Don't just say like, oh, you know, the holidays are stressful for me. What about the holidays are stressful for you? What about the holidays are triggering you? Because if you don't put a name to it, you don't acknowledge it, you can't really build a um, safety plan around it, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to say what exactly is your triggers so that you can put something in place to address those things. And, And don't just have one safety one item on your safety plan you need to have like a list of different things like we talk about that toolbox of one coping skill that you previously used in one situation may not work in that um situation right it may not work so you might have to apply different coping skills to see which is going to be the most effective so i think Mm -hmm. that that is going to help you um and being honest with yourself being vulnerable um is, is definitely something that I would say is important. But also being honest that I think the biggest takeaway for this podcast episode is don't feel obligated to put yourself in situations that are not conducive to where you want to be at or where you're yeah. currently at. Okay. Um, no for matter sure. what you think the social norms are, what you think outsiders feel like you should be doing, not what you feel like I should be doing, but I'm just not in that place now. I think it's very important for you to be honest with yourself, but Mm -hmm. also to not feel obligated to do something that you're not prepared for. Because if you're not prepared for it, you don't have a plan in place. Nine times out of 10, it's, you're not going to be successful. Um, And when you're struggling with something like addiction, one slip up can literally send you down the rabbit hole. Um, and like I said, that monkey is always going to be on your back. And as soon as you're complacent one time and you let that monkey take control, you never know when they're going to give up that control. And it could, it could literally send your world into a world spin. So I think mm-hmm. like, you know, it's really important for you to be honest with yourself and, and know when you say, I can't, I can't go into this situation, right? Yeah. I can't be around these people. I can't be in this environment, people, places, and things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think like that's important and not feeling like, oh, well, you know, I haven't seen Dom in so long and like, I know she's really looking forward to it and like, we're going to have such a good time. But Dom wants to meet me at the local bar that I used to cop in the bathroom. And I have memories of all those different things. And so I'm really looking forward to Dom. And like, I know she wants to hang out or whatever. But damn, I remember like how that feeling felt and takes you to a whole different place. And it's like, you know what, Dom? I really want to see you. Maybe we can see each other somewhere else. Maybe we can meet up somewhere else. But I just can't, I can't do it right now. It's too much of a risk and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to put myself in risky situations. So that's the and only people thing who really love have. you. Yeah. And people who really love you and care about you are going to be like, okay, like where can we meet? Like if they, if exactly. they truly are invested in your recovery and your ability to maintain your sobriety, they're not going to challenge that. Right. That's the last exactly. thing somebody would do if they really care about you and care about you staying clean and sober. So that point and if they (laughs) say oh no like you'll be good that's not your community no that's not your community (laughs) get out of there red flags because when everything goes to hell again they're gonna be the first one out the door 
That's mm-hmm. not your community. Like you said, if they really support and love you and are a part of that recovery journey for you, they're gonna be like, okay, bet we don't have to do that. Like I, whatever you need, I'm there for you. Mm-hmm. So definitely exactly. taking, you know, listen, paying attention, I think is mm-hmm. really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Your next question is, what are some important suggestions to share with someone who's in recovery and struggling to be social? Mm, that's a that's a good one for some of the things I said earlier, right? That sometimes people's ability to be sober was almost synonymous with drug use, right? Um, and so that could be that could be challenging, right? So I would go back to something that you said, right? Um, that it's important to have a safety plan. That safety plan should include a list of your triggers, right? So what are your top five triggers? What are your top seven triggers? What are your coping skills, right? What are some skills that you can utilize in the event that you do become triggered? Because what we what we said earlier, what I said earlier, right, is that sometimes there are triggers that we can plan for, but sometimes there are triggers that you can't plan for, mm-hmm. right? You go to a party um, and you think you're with somebody who is like your accountability partner, but maybe your old drug dealer is there and you didn't know they was going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or maybe somebody who you used to use with is there and you... You know, or maybe you're, you know, you see some paraphernalia on the ground. Like there's, you just don't know how you're going to be triggered. And so you want to be, you want to consider what are some of the coping skills that I have in place in the event that I do become triggered, right? You also want to have on that list um, supports you can call if you are struggling, right? So if in the event you are so triggered and you, you need to get out of there, right? Like you need to have a list of people that you could call in the event that you need somebody to come get you, um, and you also want to consider, okay, is there somebody I can bring with me um, that can also kind of hold me accountable to if I need to leave, if I need to get out of here, like they're like, let's go. You know what I mean? Again, this kind of goes back to what Dev was saying. Like you want to have a community of people who are invested in your ability to stay clean and sober if that's what you want, right? You don't mm-hmm. want people in your circle who are not committed to helping you to do that. And and to be fair, addiction is some hard shit. Like it's, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Everybody doesn't have the capacity to support someone who is in early recovery or who is in recovery in general. Right. So it's no, it's no like knock against that person. It's just like the people who you keep around you is like, is like equivalent to taking your insulin. It's like equivalent Mm -hmm. to taking your high blood pressure medication. Like you need to have a system in place that's going to help you stay clean and sober. The same way people who have to have a system in place to help them stay on the up and up with their high blood pressure, with their cholesterol, with their uh, hypothyroidism, right? It's, it's all of those things. So you want to just keep in mind, who do I have around me? Who's going to help me, you know, manage this. Um, and then you want to also consider, um, you want to also have on that, uh, that safety plan, what happens what happens if i relapse what do i lose right because sometimes those things will snap you right back into place real quick like oh shit i might use my job i might lose my wife or my husband i might you know i might lose my partner i might lose my job i might lose my house like you know you need to have mm-hmm. you need to be reminded of what is at stake because i think if you forget that it's it can be easy to 
you know, it can be easy to fall victim to what those triggers are, right? So having a reminder of what you can lose, right? Um, but also on that list, you also want to consider what am I grateful for, right? Because addiction takes you through the ringer, right? No matter what drug or, or substance of choice you are struggling to be in recovery from, most people that I've spoken to, clients that I've spoken to, people in my life who I know have struggled with addiction, like it takes you through the ringer. Like some people, and the reality is some people do not make it on the other side. Like some people die. Some people do not make it. Some people don't get the opportunities to, you know, make that right to make their addiction, you know, to to make not just their addiction, like, you know, in, keep that addiction in, in remission, but to rebuild the relationships and to rebuild what you lost. Like some people just don't get the opportunity to do that. So sometimes you have to also consider reminding yourself of what you're grateful for, where you, where you have come from and where you don't want to go back to. Um, because those things can kind of, you know, put a, a moment of fun and pleasure into perspective, right? That, you know, maybe there are other things that I can do to have fun. Um, you know, whether that's taking up a hobby, um, you know, whether that is, um, you know, going to meetings, meetings are not for everybody. And, and when I say meetings, I mean, um, NA or AA meetings. And these are meetings, um, that, uh, they're not, they're more like fellowship meetings or it's not therapy. Right. But it's like people, you know, who are in early recovery or who are in recovery in general. My, like my dad still goes to like five to seven meetings a week, you know, like that's mm-hmm. part of his community at this point. Um, and so those meetings are really for people to work the 12 steps to talk about what's going on with them. Sometimes people have sponsors. You're supposed to have a sponsor if you you know, are in recovery and they can kind of help, you know, they can also kind of help you figure out like what, does your social life look like now? You know, they can help walk you through that. Um, so again, those would be some of the suggestions I would give to somebody who's in recovery and is really struggling with like, what does social life look like for me now that I am clean and sober and most of my social life was, you know, drugs and alcohol, <laughs> you know, you, those are, those would be the things that I would encourage you to consider. I like that being reflective of not where you were, but where you're currently at. And mm-hmm. how does, what is your new normal? You know, again, mm-hmm. maybe it may be that you just can't partake in certain things that you used to do. And that's completely fine. Um, but figuring out that and, and coming to terms with it um, and accepting of it, I think is, is definitely good. Mm-hmm. And then the last question is what strategies are necessary when attempting to have fun and socialize? And I think we might, I guess we might've touched on this somewhat in our, in our previous uh, responses. Um, is there anything that you would add to this? Um, I think like, just again, like you said, I think, you know, trying to be reflective of what does it look like? What is my new normal? Um, mm-hmm. and, and finding some way to be okay with that. Yeah. I think when we, and I keep saying this, but that obligation is such a heavy burden yeah. um, and it can really put people in situations that they knew were not good for them. They knew that was a trigger for them and they felt obligated to do it. And then this, it always ends badly. So I mm-hmm. think like always being reflective of why do you feel like it's an obligation? Like, why yeah. do you feel like you have to partake in something that you know is not feeding you, that you know is not good for you? <laughs> is it that you are um, putting this this burden on yourself because a part of you wants to do it? 
Um, mm-hmm. And a part of you likes what feelings that used to come about it. Because yeah. if, if drugs and substances didn't do something for people, no it. one would use it, right? right. Like, let, yeah. We're not going to sit here and be like, you get nothing from using drugs or, you know, drinking or whatever. If oh, you that get was something. the case, <laughs> there would be no type of addictions, right? Yeah. Um, but addiction also doesn't have to be like substance abuse. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be addiction to sex. It could be addiction to working out. It could be addiction to food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you are someone who um, has an eating disorder, holidays could also be triggering. Thanksgiving could be mm-hmm. triggering, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if you grew up with the the idea from family that you clean your plate, yeah. Um, there are some cultures that you get fed food, and if you don't clean your plate, it is like you are basically insulting the person who cooked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely something to be mindful of. Um, it could also be triggering. Um, sometimes you have certain cultures that they make your food for you, right? And mm-hmm. so if you're not eating a good amount, they could feel like, oh, my food isn't good enough for you, or you don't right. like it, you know? So you could feel obligated to that. Or if you've known that you have struggled in the past with an eating disorder, you could feel um, like people are watching you and what you yeah. consume. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Or if you're someone who struggled with weight, um, you could also feel like people are watching you, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're like with my nephew, he doesn't have an eating disorder. But one of the things that we constantly have to make him aware of is his... Um, being greedy, like <laughs> he's the type of person. Like last night, I I cooked and you know he was like, "This food is so good," and he will like inhale some food. But um, after he inhales it, he's like, "Can I get another plate?" And I'm like, "No, like you can eat again, but let it set. Give yourself like, a minute, settle. right? Because what always happens is if I give him a second plate right after the first one." His stomach is always hurting him because his mm-hmm. eyes are bigger than his stomach and he's mm-hmm. eating so much. And I'm like, you know, there's more food left. Like, you can eat later. Like, it's okay. But, right. you know, again, if you're someone who has struggled with, you know, feeling like, you know, maybe you grew up where food was not something that you could count on. Like, you, um, oh, yeah. you know, food was was very, you know hit or miss. Like, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Um, or maybe it's shopping wise, right? That could be your addiction. Maybe you grew up where you couldn't get the things that you wanted and now you have a good job and, you know, Black Friday is coming up and, you know, you are going to get all the things that you want because now you're in control and you have money and can't nobody, you know, take that from you. So I think like, being mindful and being honest with yourself and coming up with a game plan, a safety plan of how you're going to engage in these things are definitely important because addiction doesn't always have to be um, taking of a substance or, um, you know, alcohol. It could be, you know, maybe you are, you know, having multiple partners and mm-hmm. you are going through something and you are engaging in risky and unhealthy behaviors, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe you're addicted to, to stealing and, you know, mm-hmm. like the risk of it. Um, yep. you no. Know, so I think like just being honest with yourself and, and understanding like 
coming up with some type of plan and not putting yourself in situations that you know you're not prepared for, you Mm -hmm. know are not good for you, but you feel obligated to participate and obligated to be there. Um, It never ends well. It never ends well. The other thing I want to add to that too, and it just dawned on me because this is one thing that I would often talk to clients about. Um, You know, when you are choosing to be in early recovery, there's a grief process that goes along with that, right? That kind of to your point, I would always talk to clients and say like, what did you, what are you losing by joining this club of like sobriety, right? Because again, to say that drugs didn't give you anything is not being honest, right? And it's not being... And it's also not acknowledging like that relationship that you had with addiction, right? That relationship, mm-hmm. that relationship that you had with drinking or drug use, right? Um, and so I think during this time of year, if 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 sobriety and recovery is your choice, I also want just to acknowledge like there's a grief that you may be going through, right? And it may get a lot stronger and a lot more present as you are navigating and entering this time of year. So just be mindful that you might be going through some grief and loss um, from all of the the things that you used to do around this time and the loss of a relationship. You know, drugs is, it became a relationship. It became everything for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I I just want to acknowledge that that could be part of um, some acknowledgement that you may want to, um, to give, you know, this, addiction, right? Um, you know, that you might be losing something. You may be feeling some some grief around not being able to engage the way you used to. Yeah, I think that's important. So what I want to do is kind of go through the three items that we talked about and just give some brief tips. Um, and then we can talk about just some additional supportive resources that you have created a list of. And then we can talk about how we are going to soar, you know, these next two weeks. Um, so going back to grief and loss, um, some of the tips that we have for managing grief and loss is going to be communicate how you're feeling to a loved one. Again, being honest, being vulnerable, um, being reflective with yourself. It starts with you first and then, you know, letting the people around you being honest with them. Um, I really love this journaling your experiences. Um, I am not great at journaling, but what I have done is created voice notes um, in mm-hmm. my phone. Same. And um, I really do like that. I find that to be very helpful. You can save them or you can delete them um, once you're done. Um, but I always feel like that helps to bring out different emotions and, and feelings that I'm having. Um, one of the things that I've done with clients in the past is um, the having them write their loved one a letter. Um, to kind of be reflective and get things out. Like, you know, for instance, we talked about all the the great things that have happened in my life, you know, over the years since my mom has been gone. And if it was very weighing on me heavily and I felt like it was impacting me, I could write her a letter just to catch her up and let her know what was going on. And then, yeah. you know, however I want to dispose of that letter, that's completely fine. Um, you can go to the grave site um, 
if you have a grave site for your loved one and go and talk with them and, and share, catch them up, you know, um, doing something just to get those experiences and those feelings out of you. Um, mm-hmm. and, but honoring them, I think is really important. So I do like the journaling idea and then finding ways to honor or commemorate um, the person or thing that you're grieving. Like you said, um, you know, taking time to um, remember your grandmother and knowing mm-hmm. like her love language was cooking and family and the importance of that. And so taking time to honor that. And I'm pretty sure when you are having these, um, you know, events where you're cooking for people that you love, you can like literally remember times with mm-hmm. your grandmother, right? Like it just mm-hmm. puts a smile on your face and it's like, oh, uh, like, you know, it's like a good memory. Like, obviously, you miss them, but it's like, yeah. I remember when I did this with my grandmother, or, yep. you know, she would have did it mm-hmm. this way. And now I'm like, maybe you're tweaking a recipe or something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think, like, anytime you can, you know, remember them in some type of way, um, it just puts a smile on your face. And again, like, there could be some sadness there. There could be, you know, For different sure. feelings there, but you also are just like, ah, oh, like, it just feels mm-hmm. good to like remember them and, yep. and what the impact that they had on your life, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that that's always a beautiful thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, some um, quick tips for family dynamics: <laughs> uh, <laughs> set personal boundaries, which I think everyone touched on. Right, set personal boundaries with yourself about how much family issues you will address. Right. Again, it can be really easy to want to dive right in and just like kind of shoot at the hip and you may not want to do that, right? You might want to just pace yourself and first start with personal boundaries that you're setting for yourself, right? Then you might want to explore boundaries that you're setting for your other relationships. But when you're thinking about your own relationship to self, maybe you want to start there. So that's one tip. Um, you also want to, you know, you want to be mindful of, um, your expectations, right? So be realistic. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier that like, you know, what people can give us might be small to us, but major for them. And you get to decide if your expectations are realistic and if you're asking for too much. And if you are still at an impasse with this person, you get to decide how much you want to, give to that relationship. Right. And so again, it starts with asking yourself is, is what I'm asking for realistic? Um, not just realistic to your, your wants and your needs, but realistic to the person you're asking for from those things for, right? Because again, people may not be fully equipped, um, to give us what we want. Does that change the dynamic of the relationship? Of course it does. And if so, you get to decide, how much am I willing to give based on, and I hate to act like relationships are not transactional, but in some ways they are. And no one wants to feel like a relationship is not reciprocal, right? You want to feel like, not that you have to be giving as much as the other person and vice versa, but you don't want to feel like you're always the one giving and someone is always taking, right? Mm-hmm. You want to feel like the dynamic of the relationship is, um, is is not one-sided, right? You you don't want to feel like it's one-sided. And and so that's why you need to ask yourself, you know, is what I'm asking for realistic? And if it is, are my expectations realistic of who I'm actually asking 
to give me these things, right? Or to at least meet me halfway. Um, and then lastly, you want to explore what acceptance looks like um, to you. And you want to see if you are actually applying that to your relationship, right? This kind of acceptance. And I think we get confused about what acceptance is. And I know for me, like acceptance used to get in my way. And I guess sometimes it still does to a degree. But I think what got in my way the most was, is acceptance, um, uh, am I condoning what happened because I'm accepting what happened? Am I... Um, Am I not acknowledging my experience because I'm accepting where we are? And I'd say no to both of those, right? Acceptance is merely just accepting what is in this moment, right? It doesn't mean that you agree with what happened. It doesn't mean that you condone what happens. It doesn't mean that you uh, agree. It doesn't mean that what happened didn't affect you. All those things happened, right? And acceptance is truly... I am accepting life as it is in this moment, right? And so once you do that, there is some freedom in terms of, you know, where you, you know, where you navigate in the relationship moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, explore acceptance. What does it look like to you? And how are you applying acceptance to your relationship? Because again, some of those expectations that you are placing on somebody might shift once you accept that, ugh, like this person can't give me that or this person is in this place at this time. So my expectations of them might be a bit unrealistic. Right. So it, it helps to put things into perspective. Um, and again, it doesn't it doesn't take people off the hook. But what it does is it frees you of like the energy that you are placing on like. I guess for me, I know that I I, I would be stuck on acceptance because I, I never wanted the way I was treated to not be acknowledged. And I didn't realize that I don't need them to acknowledge what I went through. Like that's, I don't need them to say, you're right. You did go through that. Like, no, I don't need that. I am already acknowledging that. Like in my opinion, in my validation is more important than somebody else's. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it's nice to get people to validate that. Like, you're right. That did happen, but you're not going to always get that. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and and do you want to hold up a relationship because you're you're wanting validation that you're probably not going to get, and that and not getting that validation has nothing to do with you either. Like sometimes it's that person's inability to acknowledge that they harmed you because there's shame connected to that. There is, you know being disappointed in themselves. There's so many things that like, it just doesn't have anything to do with me when people are not willing to validate me. And so once I got to that perspective, they're like, this shit ain't got nothing to do with me. Like this is their (laughs) shit. You know what I mean? And so it was easier for me to say, here's where we are. Here's how, what I can accept. And based on what I can accept about where we are, I shouldn't be asking them for that because they can't give it. They're not there. And am I doing more harm to myself by wanting something that they either have proven that they're not going to give me or they're just maybe not capable? You know, mm-hmm. it's possible that people just aren't capable of giving us what we we want. So, again, those are some of the things that I would encourage people to consider as far as tips when you are navigating the um, 
dysfunction of family dynamics. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I do like that. And then for uh, recovery, managing your recovery during the holidays, um, we talked about this numerous times, but develop a recovery safety plan um, that includes your triggers, give them names, clearly identify them, coping skills and supports that you can call if you're struggling and things that you could lose if you relapse. Uh, We do know that relapse is a part of recovery journey, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's really important for you to have these things in place. Again, you can't um, prepare for everything because life ebbs and flows, but the more you are prepared, the better you are responding Um, Especially if you are someone who knows that you are um, quick to react um, and you don't really think things through, it's really important for you to come up with a plan um, that you can kind of utilize. The other thing is to be kind to yourself. Like Like I said, you know, relapse is a part of the recovery journey. Um, you got something from using the substance, although it might, you know, it costs you a lot, um, depending on how long your, you know, journey has been, um, you do get something out of, of using that substance. And so, um, be kind to yourself, do the work, hold yourself accountable, but don't feel like if you do relapse or if you do struggle, maybe you are having a craving or whatever, don't feel like that discounts you or makes you feel like you, you know, are not great at this recovery thing or whatever. You mm-hmm. should give up hope. Um, it, it makes you feel like less than the person. Um, I will say one of the things that I have seen in clients is they have a significant amount of recovery time and then they might relapse and they get into a black hole because Mm -hmm. of that. And I always say, remember your day one, take one day at a time, right? Yep. And it doesn't matter if you've had one day sober, you've had two hours sober, um, you're just beginning it again, or you have 10 years sober. The monkey is still on your back and you're mm-hmm. doing the work and you're fighting like hell. And it's not an easy task, depending on how long you have been in that addiction battle your body has now become dependent on that, right? Your brain is not firing the same way that it used to without that substance. And so it really is hard to choose sobriety. Um, It's really hard to go through. That's a good point, actually. Um, And so I, I always tell people like, be kind to yourself because choosing to go through fire at the beginning um, is not an easy task, especially <laughs> when why you started using in the first place is still present. You haven't dealt with that. And yeah. then all of the things that you engaged with while actively in your addiction, you have to now face all of those things sober um, while you are trying to slowly heal. And again, your body is going through it. It's not just your mind. Um, it's not the easiest thing. And I think people oftentimes when they think about addiction, it's like, oh, well, they shouldn't have put themselves in that, you know, in that lane in the first place, or they shouldn't have put themselves in those shoes. And it's like, 
Look, if only life did, was that easy, right? They did. <laughs> right. They're here, but they're trying to recover. And like, we can't act like it's just like waking up and putting your pants on because the shit is not easy. And it's not. Know, I've never been actively addicted to something, but I've had tons of loved ones who have, and I've been along them through that road of recovery. And when you are used to um, really minimizing or taking away your pain. Um, and then you have to face it with nothing, yeah. no type of aid, um, at all. And, and you may not have the coping skills to do that just yet. Uh-huh. Um, shit is not easy. And I think like nope. giving people grace is always, always important, but giving yourself grace, um, is definitely important. Um, and I think also just practicing gratitude is important, you know, Um, and speaking from just my mom with her addiction, even when she was sober, she was always looking back on all the things that she did wrong during her active addiction. And oftentimes I felt like that really, um, became like where she was not looking at what was happening currently. She wasn't present. She was always looking back and there was nothing she could do for the things that she had done, but Mm -hmm. make the changes. But I feel like a lot of times because she was always looking back, it oftentimes made it easy to fall into that relapse because it was like so overwhelming, the guilt, the shame, the frustration, the sadness. I think like it was just like so overwhelming. And it was like when I look back and think of all the hurtful things that I've done, there's no way that I can make amends. Um, So I think like practicing gratitude of not just reflective of where you came from, but where you're at now. Like, you know, I was able to have a difficult conversation and not use, right. I was able Uh to celebrate someone and not pick up a drink. Um, you know, I was able to whatever, like small milestones, just celebrating yourself and, and being reflective of what you currently have in your life. And it may not be perfect. It may not be where you want to be at, but it's definitely not where you were at previously. Yes. I think like that's so important. And that helps with that recovery journey of focusing on what you have gained in those small milestones and not being so focused on all the things that you can't change, right? Uh-huh. All the things that your addiction has cost you. I think that it's important to acknowledge it, but you can't sit in that because yeah. if you are, it's very easy to fall back in and the woe is me and I don't like these feelings. It's too overwhelming. So I'm just going to numb it, you know? Yep. Yep. So. Very true. Very, very true. Um, so we also wanted to provide a list, just a list of some supportive resources. Um, if your holiday events and your interactions become too challenging, right? And so first thing is um, there is a new, uh, I guess it's been out since July of 2022, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like a, um, uh, it is a resource for people who might be struggling with emotional or mental crisis. And it's uh, it's called 988. So it's similar to like calling 911, but if you call 988, um, you... Uh, will be connected to um, a crisis counselor and they can either, uh, you know, support you uh, nationally or they may reroute you to like a a crisis center in your area. Um, 
the good thing about this too is, and if you put in like 988 into uh, like your, your Google search engine, there's also a website that goes to that. You can also chat with somebody as well. Um, you can chat, if I'm not mistaken, I think you can chat 741-741 to, um, I want to say crisis. Um, yeah, crisis but don't, yeah. So I would just encourage you all to put 988 if you have other questions, because there's actually a website and other resources for people who might be struggling with emotional or mental crisis. Um, So go to that, uh, your search engine, put in 988. There's a website. You can also, like I said, you can, you can text. Sometimes texting is a little bit easier for people, um, but either way it connects you to a crisis counselor who can help support you. Um, So that's the first one we wanted to give. Um, If you go to, um, American Counseling Association, their website is www.counseling.org. They have lots of grief resources. Um, So again, if you're struggling with grief, again, you can go to that website and and pull up some of those resources. Uh, There's also a few apps that can help with mindfulness and meditation. We talked about mindfulness and meditation, I think, in our last episode. We were talking about um, the toolbox for uh, building resiliency. Um, Mindfulness and meditation are great because, again, Oftentimes in these situations, there is a heightened of emotion. There's a, uh, you know, to, to get kind of, you know, to talk a little bit about your physiology, like there's so many stress hormones and so many stress related um, things that are impacting your body, right? And these things happen automatically. So when you are in a situation, maybe you're at a family, you know, dinner for Thanksgiving and somebody walks in the door that you don't like, or somebody walks in the door who you, you know, maybe had a bad falling out with, right? Your body is automatically going mm-hmm. into fight or flight, right? So that, mm-hmm. so engaging in a mindfulness practice or a meditation practice before you go, or maybe stepping into the bathroom and doing one when that person walks in the door might help to kind of bring down um, some of that, uh, some of those uh, neurotransmitters and, um, you know, stress hormones that are activating in your body. It may help to kind of bring them down and begin to soothe that part of your nervous system, right? So again, you want, you can do this before you go, right? Or you can, you know, begin to make this more of a daily practice. Um, One of the the apps that I use uh, is called Insight Timer. It's really good and I love it because it is free. (laughs) Now I did purchase the membership. Um, The membership I think is a yearly membership and it's like 50 bucks, Um, but you get access to all that they have to offer. And they have, I would say over like, they probably have like a hundred thousand plus different ways to engage in their mindfulness and meditation practices. They have like different seminars. If you, if you purchase the actual, you know, subscription, they have like seminars. Um, what I like to do, and I actually haven't been doing it lately. So I do want to get back to it because I did pay for the membership. So I probably should be using it. Um, but one thing that you can do is you can search for med- meditations based on a topic. So like if you're looking to meditate on acceptance or if you're looking to meditate on parenting, if you're looking to meditate on anxiety or stress, or if you're looking to meditate to start your day, you can just put that into the search of the app and they just give you tons and tons of, of different meditations. And you can do ones that are like two minutes that are five minutes. And then also you can create your own like meditation um, you can create like your own meditation practice through that app. So if you don't want to use what's already there, you can create like different sounds you want to meditate to. It's really cool. So I would encourage, and you have access to all of that 
even if you don't pay for the membership. Um, so again, I would use that. Um, I love that one. Again, I, I love anything that's free and anything that's <laughs> free and good. Cause sometimes you get shit for free and you get some shit for good. free and yeah. it ain't good. They're like, right. you get one minute. <laughs> right. And you're like, God damn. Like, right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so that's a good resource. And then lastly, um, SAMHSA, uh, SAMHSA is a, like a government agency that really focuses on, um, substance abuse and mental health. Um, and it has lots of different resources on their website. If you go to www.samhsa.org, um, you know, and SAMHSA is S-A-M-H-S-A.org. Um, they have lots of different recovery resources there, um, for people who go to NA or AA, but also you can look up Celebrate Recovery, um, uh, meetings and they're not as there's there's not as many celebrate recovery meetings as there are in a and a meetings but again if you're not necessarily into na or aa and i think celebrate recovery is more like more religious based mm-hmm. um you may want to you know look into that so those are just a few uh resources that we wanted to provide you all as you are you know getting ready for the holiday season so And I would say a couple more would be if you are employed or you live in a household Mm. with people are employed, your EAP is also a great resource. Yes. Um, You know, different um, employers provide a benefit that covers, um, sometimes it covers the employee and their dependents and spouse, as well as their parents. Sometimes mm-hmm. it covers everyone that is in the household. Um, so mm-hmm. even if you're not blood related, um, you, if you live in that household, you could be covered for a certain amount of sessions. Um, the other great thing that your EAP benefit could cover is like Dom was talking about the insight app. Um, some EAPs now have partnered with other different organizations where they give their employees uh, free access to apps. So like the Calm app and things like mm-hmm. that. And so that's always good. Um, and because the holiday time is a very triggering time for a lot of people, uh, there are some therapists who do provide um, free or reduced counseling sessions um, that mm-hmm. you're able to reach out to. Sometimes therapists also have like a off-duty line where you can call and text them if you're in need of an emergency. I always tell people if you have an EAP, um, it's really good for you to save that number into your phone so you can just dial it automatically. Not only do you have access to the counseling benefit, but um, most EAPs provide in-moment support. So if you are struggling, mm-hmm. you can add them as a part of your safety plan uh, where you can reach out and talk to someone you know, live to kind of process with those things. And like Dom was talking about with the 988, Um, There's a crisis text line. Um, They have that available for not just adults, but also for teens. There's a teen crisis line. So that's always good. I always tell parents, you know, the holidays can bring up different emotions for your children as well, you know. And so having them have access to different resources could be very beneficial. Um, Like Dom was saying, there's grief groups. There's a bunch of different groups that's available. Um, But also being aware of what's happening in your community. Uh Right now we just got, I've seen flyers and we just got an email about it. But our community is actually doing a... um, 
free Thanksgiving dinner in one of their schools for people or families who maybe couldn't afford Thanksgiving or maybe they don't have anyone to spend Thanksgiving with or whatever. It's So it's called a community Thanksgiving. Um, And so they're going to provide meals for families and you don't have to you like give any details. You just come in and you are served and just be around your community and built up and felt loved and supported. So like that could be something that you can participate in. Um, again, friends, Thanksgiving, um, mm-hmm. you know, so many different things that you can engage in. And even if the holidays, maybe you don't celebrate the holidays at, it, at all. Um, coming up with different things that you can do and not feeling obligated to participate in something that you don't feel like you want to do, um, I think is, is very helpful, but these are, these ideas or resources are great things to add to that toolbox. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, so you have a number of different supports that, you know, if you reach out to someone and they don't answer, you have someone else that you can call. Um, Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So you're just not alone and you don't feel like you are isolated or you are feeling unseen or unheard, um, I think is really important. And one of the things I really like that you brought up, Dom, was the um, mindfulness and grounding if you are in a situation where you are triggered. Um, you know, again, maybe you were assaulted by a family member or a loved one and they're there taking a moment and, and you are back in it. Right. And that can happen. Um, taking a moment to ground yourself, um, and make sure you are aware of your situation. You could be a veteran and it could be triggering, you know, Mm -hmm. having loud noises, you know, kids running around and things like that. So I think like anything you can do to help yourself have these tools that you can utilize and handle whatever may come with these upcoming holidays is really important. Like I said, with veterans, in some places during the holidays, it is um, tradition to shoot off a gun. Um, mm. If you have PTSD or again, you might not even be a veteran, but you might have PTSD um, from some type of violence that can be triggering. Um, yeah. Being around loved ones who are loud um, and then they start arguing and maybe you are coming off of some type of experience. Um, just trying to prepare as much as possible. Um, domestic violence, the holidays can bring that about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having the DV hotline, that's definitely a great resource. Uh, one of the great things about the domestic violence hotline website is um, they have a way that if you're viewing the website, you can click off of it. So it literally gets off of your screen. It gets off of your history. Um, and that's a sense of protection because we mm-hmm. know that when people are in a domestic violence situation, or I should say interpersonal violence, um, thinking about leaving is one of the most dangerous times. Um, yes. and so you want to make sure that you are putting safeguards in place as much as possible to try and protect yourself as much as possible. So Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we covered that during the holidays, but that could also be something that is triggering because oftentimes if you have a partner, um, maybe they are engaging in a substance, but not only that, a lot of jobs let people off for the holidays. So maybe 
that was a relief for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And now you're going to be faced around them a little bit more. Um, You know, the kids are going to be home. So that could be, you know, irritating for them. Um, So just being mindful of all the different things and know that there are resources available, but also putting safeguards in place. Because like I said, it is one of the most dangerous times when you are starting to consider that, you know what, this is not a good situation for me to be in. I, I want to explore my options. Just making sure you're doing that as safely as possible so that you can get the resources and get out of there. But we want to make sure that you get out of there whole, you know, and as safe as possible. So yeah. um, the DV hotline is a really good resource, very empathetic um, people on the other line. But again, that website is a good uh, website as well. It has tons of resources, tons of information, um, and your EAP can also help you with that. So I think like that's a good, another resource. Yeah. I was just looking up the domestic violence hotline because you mentioned that and I thought that was really great. Some of the other pieces that you mentioned. So that number is 800-799-7233. Um, you can also text START to 88788. So that's another another resource. Um, so yeah, thanks for bringing that up because I think you brought up a couple other things that I just wasn't even thinking about, right? There's so many dynamics, the kids being home and that being a trigger to, you know, kind of um, an increased potential domestic violence situation. I mean, all those dynamics are definitely things that I didn't think about. So I'm glad you brought those up for sure. Yeah. And saving that number, one of the things that we tell people, you don't have to put it DV hotline. You can put mm-hmm. pizza guy or whatever. Yes. And um, one of the things that we used to do, because we did see an increase of calls around the holidays for inner partner violence, um, was that we would come up with a safety plan of how they could call to make someone in their life aware that the situation was getting out of hand Mm -hmm. um, and using code names. And so, you know, it could be as simple as you telling your neighbor, if you hear my car alarm go off twice, call the police. Um, You know, if I call you and I tell you I'm ready to order pizza and I tell you a specific pizza type, call the police. Um, So using some type of codes, because sometimes it's not as simple as saying I'm being abused. Um, that could be putting them at more risk, especially if you have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oftentimes people will try to find ways to get help without saying it. So mm-hmm. just coming up with some type of plan, um, I think is important. Um, and, and again, being around your loved ones, if you are in a uh, partnership that is violent, um, you know, maybe you have told your mom and now, you know, you guys are going over there for a holiday celebration and you're on pins and needles because you don't want her to bring that up in front of your partner. Because even though it's your reality, you're still in the relationship. You're not ready to leave, Um, even though she might feel like you are. And so now you're on pins and needles because you don't want her to say the wrong thing to let your partner know that, they're aware of what's going on in your household because that could bring about trouble for you. Um, Mm -hmm. So these are, these are difficult things. And I think that's the part of that family dynamic that we talked about. Um, 
that you you can prepare as much as possible, but there are things that can come up that you can't prepare for. But I really think it's it's really important to have these different resources at hand and have some coping skills that you can try your best to utilize. So I'm really grateful that Dom came up with this resource list. I think that um, it's really great when we post our episode onto YouTube, we will post the resource list on there as well as when we post it onto the um, podcast platforms, we will make sure that we post the resources on there as well. Because again, we really want to help people through difficult times. And the best thing to do that is to give them resources because some people acknowledge that they have a problem or they're dealing with something, but they're not sure how to even start that journey of addressing it. So anything that we can do, you know, we will make sure that we post these resources. You can definitely reach out to us on our social media, mm-hmm. on our website. Um, we are always, you know, willing to engage and discuss. And again, even if we're not the uh, mental health providers for you, we can definitely make sure that we are linking you to some type of resource. Um, we just, even if you have someone, maybe it's not your situation, you have someone that you know that you're concerned about, you know, you can provide them with these resources as well. So we just want to be a resource to people during these difficult mm-hmm. times. Absolutely. Yeah. Very well said. All right. So now we are going to talk a little bit about how we want to soar for the next two weeks. So Devron, what about you? How are you planning to soar? So I am planning to soar. Like I said, I have my speaking engagement um, Uh and I have been starting to formulate my speech. Um, So I'm excited about that. I am going to soar because I am going to celebrate these individuals and making sure that I acknowledge their journey, but also I'm going to be vulnerable with my journey and share, um, you know, things that I have experienced and went through, but also being a voice of empowerment and reflection of no matter what you go through, what you're able to come out looking like. Um, so I think, you know, just giving power to that and speaking to it, um, is definitely something that I am looking forward to soaring with and and continuing. Mm -hmm. And and I'm hoping that this event leads me to other, you know, seeking engagements and just um, community-based support. Um, I definitely want to be a resource. Um, I think that that is my calling. I am definitely reflective of, I don't think that I have, been through all of these life experiences um, and overcome them for nothing. I think that my purpose is to share my story with people because I, I think that that just speaking and being vulnerable gives other people that little push to be vulnerable and share their stories. And sharing of stories is how people heal and how they grow and how they can become reflective in their own life and realize that no matter what you experience, no matter what you go through, you will have a story to tell and it will literally be someone else's motivation um, to inspire them. And so like we, we as a society need to get more comfortable with being vulnerable and sharing our experiences. Um, and so that's, that's a way that I'm looking to soar. What about you? Yeah. 
Um, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up, so I am just excited to be working a three-day work week and <laughs> yes. spending time with my family. Um, um, yeah, so I I definitely just want to enjoy family. Um, my sister actually had um a, a pretty serious surgery um in October, and me and my mom are going to be taking her out. She's going back to work um the first full week of December, so. We are going to take her out to eat and just, you know, have, you know, some fun with her and and laugh with her and and enjoy, you know, um, enjoy some time with her before she goes back to work. So that's something else that we are planning to do. And anytime I can spend time with my people, then I'm I'm all for that. So so those are the two things I would say. Um, I just want to enjoy these next few weeks, spending time with family um, yeah. So that's how I'm, I plan this or. Oh, one other thing you're going to add to your list is you're going to kick our father-in-law's butt. Oh. <laughs> since, since I will not be there in person this holiday, uh, yeah. I'll be there in December, but you will oh, kick yeah. his butt and talk junk for yes, me. Yes, I will. Uh, I will. Absolutely. Because he'll will need it. He'll, he'll need it. Yes. So, yeah. I will do that. Yeah. I will definitely do that. <laughs> He's gonna love that. <laughs> yeah, and, and make sure you let him know it's a special request from, from yes. Front, so. I will definitely let him know. <laughs> so we know that we're coming up at the, to the end of the year, and so we were talking a little bit about doing an episode on, you know, not necessarily New Year's resolutions, but maybe intentions. Right? We wanted to kind of, you know, think about what intention do we want to create for the new year versus. Mm-hmm. Um, New Year's resolutions, right? So we think we want to spend maybe the, the, one of our last episodes of the year talking a little bit about our intentions for the year. What's the, the word of the year for 2024 for us? And what ways are we going to, you know, kind of uh, manifest manifest that in 2024? So start thinking a little bit, of, a, a little bit about what your your word is for 2024. What is the intention that you want to create for 2024? And we'll talk a little bit about some of the uh, some milestones that we were able to to uh, to face this year, and some goals and some ways we want to um, you know some things we want to do for 2024. So just start thinking a little bit about what your word is uh, for 2024, and we'll, we will you know spend some time kind of reflecting on the year and talking about 2024. Yes. And if you celebrate Thanksgiving, please have an amazing, safe Thanksgiving with whomever you decide to share the holiday with. Um, And we will be back in two weeks. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. And again, if you guys need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We are always Mm -hmm. able to have direct access, whether it be on our social media or our websites. Um, But Mm -hmm. we just thank you guys for taking the time to listen in on this episode. And we hope that you took away some gems as well as some resources to apply to make your holidays a little bit less stressful. Absolutely. You all enjoy your holiday and we will be back in two weeks. Take care. Thank you for tuning in and allowing us to be vulnerable together as we soar. 
If you enjoyed this episode and are interested in hearing more from us, make sure you hit that follow button so you are alerted when a new episode drops and leave a rating and a review below. Our podcast can be found on all major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. We'd love to hear your comments and how you're choosing to soar these next couple of weeks. Interact with us on Instagram at But What If I Soar as well as on our business pages at Free To Be Counseling Services and at Social MacGyver. Let's continue ascending or gliding even amongst the turtle Let's <laughs> go.